Great to see you, and great to, that y'all are bringing those young people here. And it's uh, headed toward that time, toward Easter. And there was an event that happened with Easter and Pilate, 
And this event is found in Matthew chapter 27. Before I get there, I just want to talk about our revival coming up. Revival, it's all happening here in the month of April. This is, of course, the last Sunday in March. In April, we have a busy time. But it's never too late to begin praying about revival. Matter of fact, that ought to be revival just means I need to get back closer to God. I've drifted away. It's easy to drift away from the Lord. Uh, we were talking about our missionary during Sunday school class and him trying to build his church. And uh, I was talking to somebody the other day. There's a lot of times we take uh, mission trips. Churches take uh, mission trips to uh, different young people, and sometimes they go out of the country. Sometimes they just go out of state. They may go help a, a young church somewhere. <clears throat> Matter of fact, Blair is raising some money, to, I believe, to go up to Washington State. We support a work up in Washington, a young church. Our church is doing well, and I'm thankful, and we all ought to be thankful. But think about this. is there? You could take a mission trip here in Hamburg. You could just go somewhere, find somebody that you do not know, and just see if they're going to church. Most people in Ashley County are affiliated with a church somewhere, but they may not go. They may not attend. They may, not, they may go to a church, and they may belong to a church, but they may not be saved. You can belong to a church and not know Jesus. You could have just joined. You could have just been baptized and not accepted Jesus. Folks, revival starts on the inside of your heart. That's where it all begins. That's where you got saved. And so I hope and pray that you know what to do with Jesus. That's the title for this morning's message. What are we going to do with Jesus? There's just uh, one verse that we have to read and think about this morning. And what are we going to do with him? This simple question was phrased in Matthew 27. And I believe, and whenever I type this, I put verse 21. But the question is asked in verse 22. So that's my mistake in the bulletin. But I have it right on the screen. So let's all stand for the reading of God's holy word. Asking this simple question. Matthew 27 and verse 22. Pilate said unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? And they all say unto him, Let him be crucified. Father, I thank you for this time we have together. And a matter of fact, everybody in this room will decide what to do with Jesus today. Everybody, all of us, have maybe we've already decided what to do with your Son. May it be according to your will, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing and thinking about this. There's a, there's a lot of questions. Uh, there's a lot of sales techniques in, in the world and people used to be there was vacuum cleaner salesmen. Uh, and so I remember us buying a set of encyclopedias. Matter of fact, I still think we have that set 
of encyclopedias we bought from a door-to-door salesman. They were those, uh, not those encyclopedias by name, but they said world book. You know what I'm talking about. Many of you may still have a set somewhere. And you're, and, you, and I remember one time uh, we bought uh, something and we, from a door-to-door salesman. And after, it was the next day. And my mom, I think my mom was single then. And she, she looked at me and she said, Michael, why did we buy this? <laughs> what did, why did we buy this? And there was, you know, you were just talked into it. It sounded like you couldn't pass it up. He was good. I don't know what it was. And uh, I remember, you know, now they they went from door to door to these TV. And some people are are addicted to QVC, the shopping channel, the shopping network. you got to make a decision. Oh, yes, we're running out. And and they make you want to buy one. They say there's only 20 left. There's only 20 left. What are you going to, oh man, time's running out. There's only 20 of them left. I got to buy one. And it makes you want to get one. But there's, it's a decision you have to make. Uh, the decision that I usually voice it on is this. Can I live without that? That's usually, when I'm in, in used to, I was, uh, especially in my 20s, uh, buy something on the whim. But now I always think, can I live without that? Can I live without that? I can live, we can live without a lot of things, can't we? I can, you know, I'm thinking about saying yes or no, whether I'm going to purchase something or buy something or get it, can I live without that? And most of the time I can say, yes, I can live without that. But folks, when it comes to this question this morning, what are you going to do with Jesus? Can you live without that? The question, most of you know the answer to that. Most of you know that there's no way you can live without Jesus. Not eternally anyway. We can live while we're on this earth. Matter of fact, the Bible says if we reject Jesus, matter of fact, you don't even have to reject him. Just don't accept him. A lot of people say that. Well, I've never rejected Jesus. I'm not, I'm not going to hell because I've never rejected Jesus. But you've never accepted him. If you've never accepted, accepted him, it's the same as saying no. You know, it's kind of like uh, uh, I've seen these uh, advertisements before that said there's funds that are unclaimed. Call this number. There's funds all across the United States. Some of them are retirement accounts. Some of them are old uh, 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 accounts where they've just left something, uh, unclaimed savings account. And then say, well, that's yours. It's got your name on it. A savings account that you forgot to close a long time ago. Or maybe you work for one year at a wholesale bakery company over in Oklahoma. I don't know. I'm just making it up. And you work for, and you didn't realize it, but they had put some money back for you in some sort of an account. And it's unclaimed. It can, you can say, well, that's mine. But if you never go claim it, you've rejected it. If you never go claim that account, it's the same as saying no to it, especially if you know about it, if you know that it's there. Well, I'll get over there one day and claim that savings account. I, I forgot to, when I lived over there, I forgot to uh, close that out. I'll tell you what, if it's got anything in it, I'd go get it. And so think about that. A lot of people treat Jesus that way. Well, I'll accept him one day. I'll, I'll give my heart and life to him one day. 
All of us this morning, you say, well, Brother Michael, you can preach all you want to this morning. I just, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You can preach, preach till the paint falls off the walls. But folks, it doesn't matter how I preach or what I preach. You're going to decide what to do with Jesus this morning. You say, well, I'm not, you can't make me. You just did. You will make up your mind what to do with Jesus this morning. First thing right off the bat, and I, I'm sure we could come up with more stuff than I've came up with on what to do with Jesus. But in John chapter 3, a lot of people say, well, you know, I'll just ignore him. I'll just pretend that I can put it off or something like that. But in John 3.18, the Word of God says this, He that believeth on him, Jesus, is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. There's another verse along this line. So if you've not accepted Jesus, the Bible says you're condemned already. Just don't do anything. That's your default destination. Back up a good ways in the Old Testament book of 1 Kings. They didn't know Jesus' name at this particular time in life. But in 1 Kings 18 and 21, Elijah was trying to get the people to decide between serving God or serving Baal, a false god. In 1 Kings 18 and 21, Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And notice this, notice this. What do people do? Same thing a lot of people do today. Hmm. I'll make that decision later. I'll put it off. I'll not think about it. I just don't want to think about it. Brother Michael, just don't bring it up. I don't, want to, I don't want to make a decision right now. That's the same as ignoring it. It's the same as uh, procrastination, and we have some professional procrastinators. Do we have any procrastinators in the audience? <laughs> I know some of us are natural procrastinators. Just put it off. Well, you know, they, and a lot of us that live by the motto, why do today what you can put off till tomorrow? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and some people, some people I despise procrastination. And you know what? Usually you marry your opposite. <laughs> And usually, not always, but you'll marry your opposite. One of you is a procrastinator. The other one says, I can't believe. Why don't you need to get that done now? And uh, I'm the procrastinator. My wife is not. You know, take care of it right now. Well, <laughs> if it's not on fire, why take care of it right now? You know, just put it off. But a lot of times with eternal decisions, that's not the wise thing to do. You can ignore Jesus. You can ignore him. You can also reject him. Back <clears throat> to our original starting book in Matthew 19, rejecting Jesus. There's a lot of people that have rejected him. In Matthew 19, in verse 16, Behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? You want me to phrase that in regular country language? Hey, how do I get saved? How do I go to heaven? I want to go to heaven. What? Tell me what I got to do. What do I have to do? Well, 
this Jesus immediately noticed in this fellow's life. He just didn't say, hey, believe in me. He said, uh, I see you got a problem. Uh, Karen, we went, went uh, Caleb and uh, Sean, my son-in-law. So I had my son and my son-in-law. They both wanted to play golf. So I said, I, we haven't seen our friends, uh, Robert and Phyllis, in a long time. Let's run down there and see them. And uh, I said, we'll play golf. And Karen said, uh, we'll go buy an Easter dress. You know, so buy, you know, Karen didn't buy one for herself, so Taylor and Allie made her go back and get one. Karen came in. She said, well, we didn't spend much money. And she said, Taylor said, Taylor just died laughing. I said, what are you laughing about? She said, your face, Dad, when she said she didn't spend much money. I said, I said, what it looked like? She said, you went like this. And I was just waiting, you know, for, oh, yeah, okay. And I hope you didn't. And uh, so anyway, I was looking at her that way. But a lot of us, and Jesus looked at that fellow, and he said, hey, I want to go to heaven. Jesus went, you got a problem you got to deal with first. It's, what was his problem? Well, he said unto him, why callest thou me good? fellow didn't know what sin was. Did you know you can't be saved unless you know that you're a sinner? Why callest thou me good? There's none good, but that is God. If thou wilt enter into life, keep his commandments. He was trying to say, are you a good person? And he said, well, have you killed anybody? <laughs> no. Have you committed adultery and not stealing, not bearing false witness, honor your father and mother? And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But notice this in this list in verse 18 and 19. You know what Jesus left out? He left out all the spiritual ones. He just named the physical commandments. You know why? He knew this fellow thought he was a good person. He said, I'm a good person. You know what he was comparing himself to? A lot of us think, when we think about what am I going to do with Jesus, you know what we look at? Well, I'm just as good as Brother Ed. I'm no, you know, I know him. And a lot of people won't come to promised land because they say, I know who goes to your church. And I know how they act. But that's our natural tendency. We compare ourselves horizontally. We compare ourselves to each other. That's not the comparison the Bible draws. The Bible says compare ourselves to him. And then we, all, then we realize we all fall short. We're all sinners. And that's why Jesus left out those spiritual commandments because he knew this fellow, he thought he was a good person and he was very trusting in his own riches. And the young man said unto them, verse 20, All these have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, in the King James that means mature, go and sell that thou hast, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And now here's the kicker. I think he was going to do that. But when he said, give up your life and come follow me, the young man heard that saying, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. You know, and we reject Jesus. A lot of us think we've never rejected him. You can also not only reject Jesus, you can deny him. Back up just a few pages in Matthew 10. Let's talk about denying Jesus real quick. Matthew 10 and verse 33. 
But whosoever shall deny me before men, him also will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. A lot of us say, now think about this. We say, you know, what are you going to do with Jesus? And right here now, I hope and pray that every one of you in this room, you're here and you, you sing songs. You know, say, well, I can't sing. Well, hum. <laughs> you know, Brother Norman wouldn't mind that. Just make a joyful noise. Hum along with the choir. Sing. Let people make a joyful noise. Sing. Worship Jesus. He is your Savior. He's your Lord. God blessed us with a beautiful day and nice cushioned pews to sit on and air conditioning and heating system and all of these things we have to call blessings. We should worship Jesus. But folks, did you know you do something with Jesus every day? Not just on Sunday. What are you going to do with Jesus tomorrow? This, this fellow here, he said, Whosoever shall deny me before me. We just uh, saw that movie last weekend. God is not dead. I noticed a lot of people, and it's been surprising Hollywood about this uh, this college student who stood up for the Lord in his college campus and would not deny the Lord in public. But folks, when we have an opportunity to speak up for Jesus and we don't speak up for Jesus, you're de- you denied him. And you could say, God bless you, you know, and, and uh, you know, God has given us a beautiful day or some little short anything. But a lot of times we, we get nervous even doing that. A little nervous. But if we don't speak up for him, we denied him if we had an opportunity. Because it says it here, whosoever shall deny me before men, him also will I deny before my Father which is in heaven, which means... That if we never speak up for Jesus, we're probably not saved. Verse 34, think not I am come to on earth, uh, peace on earth. I am come not to send peace, but a sword. Here I am holding a sword this morning. And basically he said, I, I cause division because sometimes you stand up for Jesus and people will back away from you. When you stand up for the Lord, people may not like that. Your co-workers, your friends, your even, your, in his day especially, your own family members. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and, and the daughter against her mother, which means this. Make a decision. Remember what Elijah said to those people standing around that altar? when he re- Remember, and if you read the story, I love the part where it says, Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord. Some of us need to repair our altar. We haven't been to it in a while. Whenever we lead our family in prayer. Choose you this day whom you will serve. And think about denying him, standing up for him. In Matthew 26 is the famous story, still in Matthew. is the famous story of, of the Apostle Peter. Matthew 26 and verse 69. Now Peter sat without in the palace and a damsel came up to him saying... Now, this is after he's been arrested, and Peter's standing off. He followed afar off. He's warming himself by the fire. You were with Jesus of Galilee, verse 70. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, well, he left there. He got away from that barrel of fire. 
He said, I'm going somewhere else. And another maid saw him and said unto them that were, that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath. I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him there they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech betrayeth thee. His accent. I can tell where you live. I was talking to a, a missionary one time, and they all spoke the same language. And in one country, and they said they had like five different accents in that one country. Small country over in Europe. All spoke the same language that they could tell, you're not from here, are you? You know, I was, uh, it's uh, Final Four. My daughter sent me a corny joke the other day. She said, Dad, get up to preach and say in honor of the NCAA tournament, I'm going to make this a three-point sermon, okay, a three-pointer. I said, well, okay. Well, we've got a few more than three points. This is going to be a five-point play, all right? But I was talking to that missionary, and they said, uh, talking about the different dialects and accents, and uh, I was listening to a book on my when I was uh, running the other day by Jim Calhoun. He's from Boston. I can tell anybody from Boston, well, you can tell their accent. Well, Peter's accent gave him away. And he said, I know, and it, it made, it left an impression. And then finally, his last time, then he began to, verse 74, then he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew, the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. Well, those are three things that I don't want you to do with Jesus. I don't want you to ignore him. I don't want you to reject him. I don't want you to deny him. But I'd love for you to accept him. A great story of accepting Jesus is the story of Zacchaeus. In Luke chapter 19, verse 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was chief among the publicans. And he was rich. And he was, uh, we know, of course, he's a little bitty guy. And it says here, and he sought to see Jesus, who he was. And he could not for the press because he was of little stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to his place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Which, and notice this, verse 6, and he made haste, which means, as old for saying, he got in a hurry. Man, he got excited. Man, I... Man, this great teacher, this great rabbi, I've heard great things about him. And folks, when we as a church lose our joy, lose our excitement about Jesus, and I get to go to church this morning, we were, uh, it was a rainy, drizzly day when we played golf Thursday. Yeah. And uh, I was out there playing, it was sprinkling down. And I looked and I said, um, well, this is good. It's kind of like fishing. 
you know, as, as old saying go, a bad day fishing is better than a good day at work and something like that. Well, folks, it's the same way with serving Jesus. You get to serve Jesus. You get to serve, and it doesn't matter what how the what's happening in the world. You know, planes are disappearing out there. People are, are accepting all sorts of, of 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 vulgar lifestyles. The world is definitely not the world we grew up in twenty and thirty, forty years ago. Our world is changing, but Jesus is still on the throne. He's still Savior. He's still King. And this fellow came to know him as savior in matter of fact he got excited man i get to spend some time with jesus and folks and, and if you read the rest of the story here it says that whenever they went into the house everybody started making fun said man he's going to be guest with a man that's a sinner folks you can do the right thing and people still criticize you you can follow jesus spend time with jesus people still criticize you I mean, you can make every perfect decision. People still criticize you. This fellow got saved. Matter of fact, he got saved. It doesn't record his prayer, but you know what happened? It says, man, if I, I got saved, and he says, you know what? I'm so excited. I need to give everybody back the money I stole from them. Not only did I steal from them, I'm going to give them back with interest. I'm going to give them more than I took. And, and then also, and then Jesus said, as far as much as this guy's a child of Abraham, a descendant of Abraham, he is going to be with me. And then he summed up his whole ministry. Jesus did, verse 10, the famous verse 10. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. And so that's, that's what it's all about. Folks, I want you to accept Jesus as Savior. The other scripture is, of course, about the thief on the cross. But I want to skip down to the, to the worship. Skip down to the worship. The thief on the cross got saved. Matter of fact, you've got a perfect uh, scenario there, and we could preach. We could preach a whole sermon on any of these points, on any of these descriptions. But on the cross, you had one fellow got dying and going to, to hell, and the other side of Jesus was a fellow that died and went to heaven. Right on both sides, you had eternity. You had flames of fire coming up on this side, metaphorically, and angels rejoicing. On that side. Did y'all know angels rejoice when somebody gets saved? Did y'all know that? That's cool. That's awesome. Angels rejoice when people get saved. That's matter of fact, that verse is found in Luke 15. But you can worship Jesus. And I pray that you're worshiping Jesus. But if you're not worshiping, you know why? Number one, you're not worshiping because you're, you're not saved. If, or if you are saved, something's hindering your worship... Most of the time in promised land, Arkansas, most of the time, I'm going to go ahead and put this at 80 to 90 percent, 80 to 90 percent of the people in this auditorium that don't worship. They don't worship because of pride. 80 to 90 percent. If you're saved, you can't worship somebody you never met. So if you're lost, that is, you got to meet him. <laughs> I need you to meet him. But if you're saved this morning, and even, and even a member here at our church, and you're not worshiping, it's because of pride. And it could be something else, but 80 to 90% of the time, it'll be because of pride. Pride that I will not let go of. 
Pride that, 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 that causes us to stumble and fall. In Matthew chapter 5 and uh, verse 23 and 24. 23 says, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar. In other words, talking about he was alluding to going to worship. Because that's the way they did it during Jesus' day. And you go your way. You remember that you have a brother that you have an ought against. And you say, well, I need to, you need to leave your gift before the altar. Go thy way first. Be reconciled to thy brother. And then come and offer thy gift. So it's, it's a pride thing. We, we refuse to humble ourselves to say, you know what? The right thing to do is sometimes a hard thing to do. And I need to t- go take care of it with somebody well, lastly, in closing, what's hindering me from worship? What's hindering our church from worship? What's hindering us from having revival? And, uh, well, it's right here. In Luke seven forty four, he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman here? I entered into your house, and thou gavest me no water for thy feet, for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. You you didn't give me any kiss. This is like the mayor of the town. This is this fellow here is he's a big guy in the community. He's a very important fellow, Simon. He was also a Pharisee, that means he was a religious leader. And he had Jesus over for a cup of coffee. Just stopped by and fellowship. This woman came also because there was a bunch of people there. And she really started worshiping Jesus. He said in verse 45, Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore, I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. A lot of times we won't worship because we are afraid of what people will think. We won't come down and pray at the altar because we're afraid of what people will think. When we stop worrying about what people think and say, what does God think? What What does He want me to do? What's more important, what God thinks of my life or what other people think of my life? A lot of times we'll say, well, I tell you what, I'll live my life the way I want to live and I don't care what other people think. Yet our words don't match our actions when it comes to standing up for Jesus. We do. We will we'll boast of our opinion, but not boast of our Savior. Have you ever thought about that? I'll, I'll boast of my, my, my desire. I'll boast of my wants or my, my opinion. But a lot of times we'll stand. I'll tell you what, I'm going to stand up for me. I'll stand up for my family. What about... Me standing up for the Lord, folks, I'm guilty. I'm just as guilty as anybody in this room. 
I have not stood up for Jesus when I should have. Have you ever, folks, it's happened to me a gazillion times. Have you ever left a, a, a place or you were around somebody and you said, man, I, I should have said something. But I didn't. Guilty. I have. I haven't always stood up for Jesus. You say, well, preacher, you're, you're the pastor. That's why I'm telling you, we have to, because it's not, it's not the most important thing to us all the time. I've got to get my job done. I've got to do what I want to do. I've got to accomplish this. I've got to get the oil changed. I've got to get this done. And we'll see people throughout the whole week. And we're too, you know, we're too busy to take an extra minute. And see where they are spiritually. Hey, do you go to church somewhere? If you don't, hey man, we'd love to have you at Promised Land. You never know where that conversation might lead. You never know where that conversation might lead. As we prepare for a hymn invitation. What are you going to do with Jesus? You going to tell people about Jesus? You going to stand up for Jesus? Are you going to worship Jesus this morning? Are you going to share Jesus with somebody? And a neat thing, and, and uh, some people love Facebook, some people hate it. it. It doesn't matter. It's just like television or anything else. You can use it or abuse it. But there's a neat feature on Facebook. It's called you run across something you like, and you hit this button called Share. So I ask you, what are you going to do with Jesus? Like I said, you've already made your decision. What are you going to do with him? What are you going to do with Jesus?